Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from one of our pastors. All right, well, if you don't know me, my name is Austin Cooper, and I am the outreach and connection pastor here at Greenwood Baptist Church. And today we will be continuing in our series in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 26, verses 21 through 29. And in this passage, we're going to see that Paul is on trial by a governor named Festus and a king named Agrippa, and he is going to be defending his case to these two men, as well as people in the courtroom. And in the fashion of Paul, he's not only going to defend himself, He's also going to use this as a time to share about the good news of Jesus Christ and how everyone in the room can get saved. And so we're going to look at this passage and we're going to learn certain tools that we can tap into when we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ or the gospel with the lost people in our lives. And we're going to see through this passage uh, that there are three main things that we can tap into. Number one, that there is power in the word of God. Number two, that there is power in joining in what God is already doing. And number three, that there is power in patience. And so like I said, if you'll open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 26, verse 21 through 29, Paul is on trial here. He is sharing uh, to these two men and, and, and also to the audience that he had received a vision from Jesus Christ himself Uh, to go out into the world to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that he had died for the sins of humanity, that he had resurrected again, that he had ascended to the Father, and that everyone on the earth could now become a child of God through putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And he's really trying to show them that he also was called to preach not only to the Jews, but also to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. And then he's going to, we're going to pick up in the middle of him sharing this, and he's going to pick up about how he was uh, arrested in the temple. And so if you'll please stand with me in honor of reading of God's word. This is Paul speaking again to King Agrippa and Governor Festus. Verse 21, he says, Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time, so I can testify to everyone From the least to the greatest, I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Suddenly, Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. May God add blessing to his word. You may be seated. And so this brings us to our first point, that when we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and how people can get saved to our lost family members, to our lost lost, uh, neighbors or or co-workers, that the first thing that we see in this passage is that there is power 
in the word of God. You know, Paul is someone who led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. He had a ministry that we don't really see again like anything else in, in the Bible. He led so many people to Jesus. He led thousands of people to Jesus in Europe. He led thousands of people to Jesus in Asia. He led thousands of people to Jesus in the Near East. He led so many people to Jesus that I, if I was a betting man, I would say that we could all trace our spiritual ancestry, or most of us could trace our spiritual ancestry back, and we would realize that Paul is like our great, 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 great spiritual grandfather. That is how much of an effect that he had on the world and how successful through the power of the Holy Spirit that he was in leading people to Jesus. And so that begs the question, where did this power come from? What was some of the powerful tools that Paul used? Well, the cool thing is, is that Paul's power was actually not in his speaking ability. That Paul's power was not in his physical appearance or his education. That Paul's power wasn't even in the methods that he was using to share Jesus. And so where was the power coming from? Well, he answers it himself in Acts chapter 26, uh, the end of verse 22. This is what he says. He says, I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses, that's a different way of saying what the word of God, except what the prophets and Moses said would happen that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, and in this way announce God's light to the Jews and the Gentiles alike. You see, Paul is saying that my power didn't come, again, from my speaking ability or my education. I taught nothing but what was found in the word of God. You see, there is power in the word of God. And I think this is especially good news to us because when we want to share the good news of Jesus Christ to our lost friends, to our lost family members, I think one of the things that Satan does is he gets in our ears and he says, you don't look good enough to share this to your friends. You don't know enough to share about Jesus to your friends. You don't even know the newest methods of how to share Jesus to your friends. And a passage like this is a sword through that lie because what we can tap into is simply the power of the Word of God. It says, This is what I've learned about Jesus through the Word of God that He loved me enough that even while I was a sinner, that He came to this earth, that He died on the cross for all the sins of humanity, and in particular, my sins. And that he proved that he was God by resurrecting again on the third day. I believe that from the word of God. This is how my life has changed because of that. And your life can change too. See, there is power in the word of God. I understood this as a young adult, specifically in high school, that there was power in the word of God to share to lost people and them get saved. And I had a group of about six lost friends that I desperately wanted them to come to know Jesus. And so I had just come back from youth camp where the, the speaker had taught me for the first time that uh, there are prophecies in Isaiah that are very clearly about Jesus. 
and that Jesus met all of these prophecies when he walked on this earth. And the really cool part of this is that Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus. And if you read these prophecies, they are so clearly about Jesus, no logical person could deny that they are about Jesus and that they were written before Jesus. In fact, I just want to share, if this is new to you, I want to share out of Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6. This is a prophecy that was written 700 years before Jesus. It says, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Again, that was written hundreds of years before Jesus. And like I said, I don't think any logical person could say that Jesus was not about Jesus. And so to me, this is a trump card to basically share to lost people that shows them we don't just worship some fairy tale in the sky, but we worship a God that has given us his word and proven through prophecy that his word is alive and active. And so I sat my six lost friends down one day and I was sharing them this exact passage out of Isaiah 53 and how it was written hundreds of years before Jesus and how this shows them that God had a plan from the beginning of the earth to show them that he loved them, to send Jesus to this earth, to die on the cross for their sins so that they might have eternal life and even better yet, a relationship with him here on this earth. And as I'm sharing out of the word of God, most of them start doing this. <laughs> One of them put his sunglasses on, leaned back in his chair and said, ah, church on a Tuesday. And none of them accepted. So I walked away from this experience actually kind of thinking, maybe there's not power in the word of God to save people. And I started God, praying to God that he would do the miraculous in me to my friends. I said, God, your word didn't really work. Let me do some signs and wonders. Like, we like to go mountain biking. I said, God, just this once, let my friend hit a tree and break his leg. And I will walk over there and I will say, in the name and power of Jesus, I pray that this leg is healed and it's healed and he stands up and all my friends accept Jesus right then and there. Or God, let there be like a pizza shortage in the cafeteria. And I walk in and I'm saying, hey, what's going on? The cafeteria people are running around. They're like, we only got five pieces of bread and two pepperonis. I'm like, no problem. Give it to me. And I just start multiplying these pizzas. Pizzas for you. Pizzas for you. Pizzas for you. And they're just filling up the cafeteria. And everyone said, how did this happen? And I say, it only happened through the power of Jesus Christ and all my friends except Jesus right then and there. Or maybe, again, just this once, God, can one of my friends choke to death on a chicken nugget? And I walk over there and I say, raise from the dead, and Jimmy will raise from the dead, and the chicken nugget will pop out, and I'll catch it in the air, and I say, this is from the power of Jesus, and all my friends will get saved. See, I didn't trust in the power of God anymore. Power of God's word, rather. But God turned my attention to a passage that taught the exact opposite. In Luke chapter 16, there's a story that Jesus gives 
Uh, it's called The Rich Man and Lazarus. The rich man is a, a wicked man, and the poor man, Lazarus, is a, a righteous man. And long story short, they both die. The rich man goes to the place of torment, and Lazarus, uh, Lazarus the, the righteous man, goes to what's called Abraham's bosom, a place of paradise. And in the place of torment, uh, the rich man looks up at Abraham, and he begs that Lazarus would just come over to the place of torment and put a drop of water on his tongue. And Abraham, unfortunately, says, sorry, there is a great chasm fixed, and the uh, one person can't go from one side to the other. And so then the rich man turns his attention to his living family members, and that's where we pick up in Luke chapter 16, verse 27 through 31. It says, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him, meaning Lazarus, to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets, again, the word of God, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Do you see what this passage just said? This passage said that when we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with lost people, that it is more powerful for you to open up the word of God than it is for you to open up graves. That if you were to take all of your lost friends and family members down to a graveyard or a cemetery, and you said, by the power of Jesus, I command all of you to raise up. And all of those bodies came out of the grave, and they came over and they shared about Jesus to your lost friends and family members, that that wouldn't even be as powerful as you sharing your testimony that's rooted in the word of God. And yes, if you're wondering, I have been watching some scary movies lately. And this isn't to downplay signs and wonders, because they have their place. We see Jesus using miracles. We see all throughout the book of Acts that the apostles had the ability to do signs and wonders. But it is the teaching of the, the whole Bible that signs and wonders were always meant to be the sprinkling of salt and pepper on the main course, the meat of the word of God. That signs and wonders were always meant to turn heads for people to pursue the ultimate truth, which is found only in the word of God. And that when people only follow Jesus because of signs and wonders, that it creates in them somewhat of a, a fickle discipleship. That when God's word opposes their life, instead of following Jesus, they just actually leave Jesus. We see this in John chapter 6. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. If you're unfamiliar with that story, there's a huge group of people. Most scholars believe actually more like 15,000 people. And he takes just a few loaves of bread and a few fish, and he feeds the entire crowd. 
And so in John chapter 6, that entire crowd of 15,000 people are following Jesus. And Jesus perceives that they are only following him because of the signs and wonders that he did. And he starts saying things like this, you are only following me because you want more bread. And he says, I am the bread of life. And again, he knows that they are only following him because of signs and wonders. And he starts teaching things like this. He starts saying that if you truly want to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And no, Jesus had not been watching scary Halloween movies. He was talking about his death and his resurrection, that we must partake in that to truly be followers of Jesus. And the crowd of 15,000 people, they look around and they kind of say, oh, this teaching is too hard. And they, one by one, start leaving Jesus. And the text makes it sound like all 15,000 of them walked away from Jesus at that point. And Jesus turns to his other 12 disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, in one of the most beautiful and important responses in all the Bible, says this in John chapter 6, verse 68. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. You see, Peter had seen the signs and wonders of Jesus, and they were magnificent. But he said that that is not what makes me stay, Jesus. That what makes me stay is your word that gives eternal life. You see, when we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with lost people, there is nothing more powerful than we can share than just simply sharing our testimony or what is found in the word of God. The second thing is this, is that there is power in joining what God is already doing. Did you catch in, in verse 26 that Paul, he had been sharing with Governor Festus for about a chapter and a half now. And Governor Festus, he seems kind of like a, a, a naysayer. I mean, every, in everything that Paul says, he just has a remark. He just says, he calls him crazy. And so without neglecting sharing the gospel to Festus, because he did, he turns his attention to Agrippa. And I'm not sure if it was a prompting from the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it was a body language that he picked up in Agrippa. But again, he, without neglecting Festus, he turns his attention to where he perceives that God is at work. And in verse uh, 26, it says, And King Agrippa, this is Paul speaking, And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him. For they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And so again, in this passage, it lays down a principle that without neglecting our lost friends that aren't interested, we still share the gospel with them. It is okay to focus on the ones that are, are showing interest. That we can join in on the conversation that God is already having with our friend, lost friends and family members. And this is actually a pattern of Jesus and the apostles. Do you remember when in Mark, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, if a town does not accept you, what does he tell them to do? Dust their feet off and move to another town. 
Again, don't neglect that town, but if they're not accepting, don't spend your entire life trying to get into that town. Dust your feet off and go to another town. Jesus told his other, his, uh, other time, in, uh, he told his disciples, do not cast your pearls before swine. And we know in the Gospels that Jesus' own hometown did not believe in him, and the text says that it actually limited his ministry there. Jesus could have done whatever he wanted, but he, through the unbelief, did not perform very many miracles in his hometown, and he didn't stay there very long. He went to other towns. And we even see this with uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts, that he goes, again, he's not neglecting certain towns. He preaches the gospel, but when they don't accept and they actually run him out of town in a violent way, he doesn't spend his whole life just trying to get back into that town. But he goes to other towns, and when God is already moving in those towns or cities, and he preaches the good news of Jesus, and people are getting saved, he chooses to stay there for a while. We see in the city of Ephesus that Paul stayed there because he was having so much success leading people to Jesus, he stayed there for years. Raising up elders, preaching the good news, baptizing people, all there in the city of Ephesus. We talk about uh, the book Experiencing God a lot in our church here, and it was written by a man named Dr. Blackaby. And Dr. Blackaby had a wonderful ministry planting churches in a very hard area in Canada. And instead of finding random cities in Canada and just saying, I'm going to plant a church there, his whole method was, I'm going to visit a city, see if I can see that the Spirit of God is moving here, and if it is, I'm going to plant a church there. If it is not, I'm going to move on to another town. And again, that's not neglecting them, but it's understanding that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And so he would go into a town, again, if there was nothing happening, he wouldn't plant a church there, but if he went to a town and there he found believers that were saying, we have been praying for years that God would send some sort of gospel presentation here, or God would send a pastor, or God would plant a church here, he knew that God was at work in that town. And he would just simply plant a church where God was at work. And he planted dozens and dozens of churches all across Canada where many people came to know Jesus through this ministry. He, and, and the entire book of Experiencing God is this. The premise is figure out where God is moving and go and join it. And I think with our lost friends and family members, again, we don't neglect the ones that are interested. We still share but we can focus in on the ones that are interested, that are showing us some good body language, that are asking us some questions. I told you about my six friends. Well, five of them had bad body language. The one put his sunglasses on and said, oh, church on a Tuesday. Five of them rejected it immediately. But one of my friends, he sat up. He made eye contact with me. He leaned in and asked questions about Isaiah 53 and how that connected to Jesus. And so again, without neglecting my other five friends, I still shared Jesus with them throughout the years, but I definitely focused more on my one friend that was showing interest. And I met with him uh, multiple times throughout the years and shared Jesus with him multiple times through my life and also from the word of God. And that brings us to our third point, that there is power in patience. 
In Acts chapter 26, verse 28 through 29, Paul again is speaking, or or it's talking about Paul speaking. In verse 28, it says, Agrippa interrupted him, meaning Paul. Do you think that you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, Whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. I love this response for Paul, from Paul because do you see what he says? Whether it's quick or it takes decades, I'm praying that me sharing the gospel with you, that God will save you whenever that is, whether it's quick or, again, it takes decades, and that you will become like me, a child of God saved through the grace of Jesus Christ. And this sets up the other principle that not everyone that you share with will accept immediately. But the story is not over. Not everyone you share with will accept immediately, but God's not done. Our executive pastor, Sonny Grissom, he loves fishing. And uh, he likes to send me funny fishing videos or kind of extraordinary fishing videos. And one of the videos he sent me, and you've maybe even seen this one, it's a pretty famous one, uh, but there's two guys and a dog in a boat, and uh, they're going down a river to their fishing spot. And they're not even to their fishing spot yet, and what happens is the fish start jumping up into the sky, and they start jumping into the boat. So much so that they put their rods and reels down, and they just start catching the fish with their hands. In fact, I think the dog even catches one with its mouth. And sometimes sharing Jesus with our lost friends and family members or coworkers or neighbors works like that, that they accept immediately and there's revival going on and people are coming into the boat of the kingdom of God left and right. But I would say a majority of times it works like the Marlin video that he sent me where there's this guy that has to cast his lure like 300 yards out into the ocean. And that when it connects with a huge marlin, there's this timeline or this kind of time lapse of him fishing for the next three to five hours where he's having to pull up his rod and and reel it in really quick and pull up his rod and get a little bit of slack and reel it in really quick. And other people come in and he goes and sits down and they pull up their rod and they reel it in really quick. And it's a time lapse of three to five hours of him fishing, trying to get this huge fish into the boat. And again, a lot of times that's how sharing the gospel with our lost friends and family members work. It's that God meets them where they are with the lure of the gospel. But maybe they don't come to the boat immediately. But God draws them in over time. In John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says this. He says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. I'm going to read that again. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. You see, I think in this verse, Jesus is purposely using imagery that would kind of conjure up an image of a net from a fisher. That you throw out the net and you catch the fish where they're at, whether they're far away from the boat or they're close. But either way, you have to, or the the Holy Spirit has to draw them in. 
And the cool thing is, is that God chooses us to share the word of God with people, to initiate that process through the Holy Spirit. And whether they're far away from God or they're ready to accept right then and there, God uses you sharing the word of God, sharing your testimony rooted in the word of God, sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ, with lost people to draw them in. In fact, we use this graphic to kind of illustrate this in a little more clear way, where if negative one to zero is someone coming to know Jesus, like I said, there's some times where we share that person is already at negative one, they come to accept Christ right then and there and praise God for that. But what we also have to understand is that a majority of your neighbors, a majority of your coworkers and lost friends on your kids' sports teams, a majority of them are not really even at negative one. They're somewhere between negative three and negative ten. Negative 10 being, I don't even believe in God. I think going to church is silly. I think that Christianity is a waste of time and maybe even hostile towards our society. Negative 7 would be a kind of agnostic. I, I believe in a higher power, but I don't think I could ever know that, what that higher, higher power is. And I don't think I could ever have a, have a relationship with that higher power. Negative 4 or negative 3, meaning that maybe they've heard the good news of Jesus. Maybe they've had good experiences with people and with churches, and they're a little bit closer. But what, what this verse tells us in John chapter 6, verse 44, is that no one can be drawn from negative 10 to zero without the working of the Holy Spirit and without God drawing people to Jesus. But again, the fun and the cool part is God chooses to use us. And that if you share the gospel with a negative 10, many of times they don't go from negative 10 all the way to zero in one presentation. But the word is faithful to draw someone from negative 10 to maybe just negative 8. Or maybe negative 6 to a negative 4. Or maybe you've shared with someone all the way from negative 6 to negative 4 to negative 2 to negative 1, and then they come to know Jesus. But the fact and the principle is this, is that God will use his word being spoken over lost people every time. And that he will use you sharing Jesus with people or inviting them here to hear the good news about Jesus to draw them closer to himself. I hope this graphic was helpful. I told you about my friends who five of them showed no interest in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the one that sat up, that looked at me, that asked questions about Isaiah 53 and how that connected to Jesus. Well, for the next 10 years, I shared Jesus with them through my life, through the words of God. And I saw how God was drawing him from whatever negative number he was at, not straight to zero right away, but I could see the initiation or the, the, the process of the Holy Spirit using my gospel presentations and other people around me to draw my friend closer to Jesus. Until one day I got a call. My, my friend said, hey, I want to come over. And we sat down and he said, I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And we sat down on the very back porch that I had shared with my group of friends 10 years prior. 
And my friend accepted Jesus right there. And we baptized him in this baptismal in April of 2016. And if you can actually turn your attention to the sound booth over there, there he is, right there. (laughs) Now he is a, a mature a man maturing in the word of God. He is discipling young men in our church. He's reaching out with our outreaches, running sound in the sound booth. He is a blessing to our church. You see, there is power in patience. By the way, he's not going to be here in the third service. So if anyone that wants to stand in there during the third service, you can actually be him, you know, just for the third service. But, but there is power in patience. Last thing is this, is that Jesus talks about a parable of the growing seed. And he talks about how when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is like planting the seed of the kingdom of God in people's hearts. And it says in verse 26, and I want you to notice the patience of the farmer in this parable. It says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scattered seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. There is power in the word of God. There is power in joining in on what God is doing. And there is power in being patient with those that we are sharing Jesus with. For some of you in the room, the harvest time might be today. That there is an element of being patient with people coming to know Christ. But the Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. And that we are not guaranteed tomorrow and that our life is like a a water vapor that's here today and gone tomorrow. And so if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior to be able to spend eternity with him and even better yet to have a relationship with him here on this earth, forgiving you of your sins and saving you, we want to give you an opportunity today to do that. And again, this opportunity comes straight from the word of God. That Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that it is the wages of that sin that lead to death. And so the first part of coming to know Christ is A, to admit that you have sinned, that you've fallen short of the glory of God. And to B, to believe that he is the Son of God. Romans 6.23 says that the, the sins uh, uh, are the wages of sins lead to death, but it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so we put our faith in Jesus. You say, God, I am a sinner. I'm admitting that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you love me enough that even while I was in my sin, you sent Jesus to this earth, that he lived a perfect life without sin, that he died on the cross for my sins. 
and that he resurrected again, proving that he was not just a man, but that he was God in the flesh. I believe that. You must see, confess that Jesus is your Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that we, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so you confess Jesus not as just your Savior saying, God, please come save me, forgive me of my sins. You also confess him as your Lord, your boss, to say, God, this is the path that my life is going, and I want to turn away. I want to repent from the sins that I am currently caught in, and I'm going to turn away from those sins and turn towards you as not only my Savior, but also my Lord. And I'm going to walk through the Holy power of the Holy Spirit the best of my ability to follow your word and to follow Jesus. So again, you must admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, and confess him as Lord. And if you've never done that, I'm going to pray a simple model prayer that you can pray the exact words that I pray, or you can put it in your own words. But this is a model prayer which is teaching you how to, or leading you to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And so if you've never done that and you would like to do that with me today, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And if you would like to pray to receive Christ with me today, you can repeat these words, exact words, or put them in your own words. God, I realize that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. But God, I believe that you loved me enough that while I was still in my sin, that you sent Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life, that he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, and that he resurrected again three days later, proving that he was God. Jesus, I'm asking that you come into my heart to forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, I'm asking that you be my Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just said that prayer for the first time, would you just indicate that to me by looking up at me? You just said that prayer. Would you indicate that by looking up at me? Whether you're in person or online, if you just prayed to receive Christ, we would love to come alongside you and help you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. There is a number that you can text SAVE to on the board, as well as a QR code that should be on your screen or the screen behind me, that you can fill out a simple form. We're not asking anything of you. We're not even asking that you become a member of our church right now. We just want to come alongside you and teach you what it looks like to follow Jesus. God, we thank you for today, Lord. We just thank you for this reminder that, God, whether it's for sanctification or it's for evangelism, Lord, we see that there is power in your word. God, we just thank you that you are a God that sent your word to us and in today's day and age is so accessible. And I just pray that we will see the power in it, not only to make us look like, more like Jesus, but also to share to the world the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.